welcome to another episode of Banking Matters. I'm your host, Ashton Woodling. Joining me today is Elizabeth Schroeder. Elizabeth is the VP Director of Regulatory Compliance for Washington Trust Bank, where she has been in compliance roles since joining the team in 2012. As a large community bank compliance officer, Elizabeth is responsible for oversight of the corporate compliance advisory team of the bank. Her team provides second line of defense support for consumer regulations that are included in compliance examinations. Elizabeth previously served as lending compliance officer and indirect lending operations manager for community banks in the Midwest and the Northwest. She holds certified community bank compliance officer and the certified regulatory compliance manager certifications. Elizabeth has served as a review editor for the reference guide to regulatory compliance for five years. She earned a BS degree in forest resource management from University of Montana and an MBA from Webster University in St. Louis. Elizabeth has been a speaker at the American Bankers Association Regulatory Compliance Conference on unfair and deceptive acts and practices, as well as at the Inland Northwest Fair Housing Conference on Fair Lending and the Community Reinvestment Act. She is also a speaker and committee member for the Risk and Audit Forum in Spokane. She has been in banking for 24 years and in compliance and audit roles for 15 years. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here today. I'm so excited to see that you uh, got your MBA from Webster University in St. Louis. So I'm from Missouri. So that was like a welcome little um, bonding moment I feel like we have. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, one thing we like to celebrate here at Banking Matters is everyone's unique journey into banking. So I see that that you have your bachelor's in forest resource management. So I'm dying to know, how did we go from forest resources to banking? Well, um, like a lot of people in compliance, um, we typically don't start Um, in the banking world, and uh, I'm no exception. So I did um, get my degree in forestry. I did some urban forestry in the Chicago area uh, for a while, and uh, that required being outside and um, dealing with uh, urban forestry matters, which is not, uh, was not my dream job. Uh, And an opening came up at a nearby community bank, And I thought, well, that sounds really interesting and something that I I might like to do. And I got into uh, indirect lending and then eventually became the operations manager of that, um, which included compliance as a portion. And I liked it. I I liked understanding the rules, helping my coworkers understand them. And I think from then it was just a natural progression into compliance. Sure. And I love hearing about that background in indirect lending because I feel like that's rare anymore. That's kind of gone by the wayside. It has. There's a lot of regulations and requirements uh, today that were not present when I when I started banking. Sure. Sure. Agree. So tell me about um, your current role. What are some of the biggest responsibilities you have? Well, I think the biggest is just being a good resource when questions arise, um, having the experience researching, um, researching the rules, requirements, expectations. And we always try and focus on the spirit of the rule, right? What, what were the regulators trying to get to when they created a new requirement? Or even if there's one existing, you know, when we're looking at making changes, well, 
how will those impact um, what the regulators intended? Very good. So let's talk about that for a minute. You brought up um, implementing new regulations. What does that process look like? Well, um, that's a great question. <laughs> so um, new regulations seem to be coming um, fairly constant. So we recently had the new CRA rule um, and then the 1071 data rule. Um, but we also can have very, very minor, just a little tweaks to rules and regulations, which usually come about through uh, clarification from regulators. You know, maybe they'll they'll do a blog post or maybe they'll have a webinar um, and we'll pick up on a little nugget of, oh, we need to, to tweak or change a little minor part. And really implementation of those changes is really dependent on how broad the scope is. You know, do we need a an all hands project meeting with all the business lines present um, to work through a project plan? Or is it something pretty minor where we can work directly with one line and say, hey, you know what, they're questioning these fees, you know, these two or three fees, you know, there's been some activity around them. Um, can we go out and do some research, make sure our fees are appropriate, make sure we're disclosing them as required. Um, and really, those implementations are the easy ones, right? Where you only have one other or two other business lines, pretty straightforward. Hey, go look at this, see what we're doing, make sure it matches expectations um, as opposed to a, a larger um, effort. Sure. So let's start at the beginning. So what sort of resources do you use or how do you hear about changes or new regulations? Um, so myself and my entire team, we spend um, time every day um, perusing um, net, uh, the network. Um, we're looking at blogs. We're looking at uh, enforcement actions. We get a lot of tips from that. Um, any kind of um, regulatory resource that is free, newsletters, things like that. So we watch those we're members of the ABA, American Bankers Association, and of course, they put out nice newsletters um, targeted to different kinds of compliance and risk. Um, and that's typically how we find out, other than the direct subscription to the agency, of course, uh, the regulatory agencies do publish directly as well. Of course. I personally love that the CFPB has started issuing blog posts. Just what a time to be alive, right? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, regulation by blog post. It's a, a lovely, uh, a lovely new uh, way to do business. I know it. Every time I have to talk about it in a compliance committee meeting, I just can't help but laugh. Like, I, can we be serious when we're talking about blogs? I don't know. I guess we have to be. <laughs> uh, okay, so you start with your sources, um, and you hear of a rule change or or a new rule coming about. How quickly do you start acting on that? Do you still look at it when it's proposed or, or do you wait until the final day? I mean, what are, what's your process? Well, it, my experience, the more you know, the better off you are. So if we start hearing rumblings, um, chatter in the industry, blog posts and things, we start 
talking about it with our banking partners, um, with the business lines. Hey, they're really looking at fees today. You know, they're they're focused really on these types and whether they they might be excessive or not tied to how much it costs to perform the task. So I find it's way easier to implement a rule if your employees knew it was coming. So all along, we try and just keep them up to speed as this is what regulators are looking at. This is what they're thinking about. This is what they're talking about. And then when the proposal comes, uh, we take a look at that, of course, um, to see, well, how far off is this of what we thought? Um, but knowing proposals change, and uh, it doesn't always implement when they expect. And then we wait for that final rule, which is where we really start the meat of the work is once once we get the final published version. But up until that point, we really want to work with our business partners and let them know what's coming. So there's no surprise. You know, when the CRA final rule came out, everybody had been waiting for it for a couple of years. You know, we were they were all prepped. Nobody knew exactly what was going to be there, but they knew it was coming. They knew we would have have this project. And to me, it's so much easier if your banking partners really can feel like, oh, yeah, I already knew that. You know, it makes them feel empowered themselves. And it's not something being done to them as much as, hey, I knew this was coming and I'm I'm prepared and ready for it. Yeah. So it sounds like you have a great relationship with your business partners. Well, I like to think so, um, you know, being in compliance, sometimes that's a, you know, we are a little bit perceived as the cops, but really um, my goal and my feeling is that we're there to help put into uh, simple language what the regulators expect so we can meet those expectations. We're not going to go over the top and do, you know, 200% of what's expected, but our goal is to help the business lines understand what what it is that the the regulators are really looking for what they want us to do and to help our business partners get there wholeheartedly agree do you have any um tried and true methods that have worked for you in kind of developing that relationship over time because i noticed that that's a real struggle in some of our banks because like you say there's this misconception that compliance is here to say no um how have you what methods have you used to overcome that and and get this great relationship that you have now? Well, I think just being um, open and reaching out. So we do a lot of just, you know, calling people, hey, how's it going? How are things working? You know, there's this thing that's coming, but really having those relationships outside of formal compliance meetings, um, being really um, interested in compliance is something that there's a few of us that are like that. We just love <laughs> compliance, but really trying to, um, trying to put yourself in their shoes, right? So what they want to know is what, what does it matter to me? You know, what does it, how is this going to impact me? And to me, that's really the key in communicating with them and getting them to be the partner is to say, Hey, executive at your level, you want to know how many staff members do we need? You know, is this going to slow down our processes? Is it going to make it harder to offer this particular product? That's a completely different conversation than the back room who are going to be working with their vendors, trying to make sure that the systems are, are working as designed, that the notices are generating right. And really just 
um, putting yourself in their shoes as, as if you were, okay, if I were an executive, what do I want to know? And then making those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So basically um, understanding your audience, right? And knowing that you have the message tailored. I love that. Perfect. So you've built your relationships and you you get a new rule or an update and maybe 1071 or CRA are great examples. Um, How do you go about determining when the rule comes, which business lines will be affected and, and then which message you need to deliver? Well, we created a process years ago that's evolved somewhat, but what we use today is it's a a document called the Compliance Regulatory Impact Analysis. Super exciting name. We call them a CREA uh, for short. But what we do with this form is we, in, in our advisory role, we fill out the form with what's the rule, who's the agency, who are the business lines we think are going to be impacted, little summary, attach the rule, and then we publish this on SharePoint. And then inside SharePoint, it goes to our business unit compliance team. And whoever's the lead um, at that time would pick that up and then determine from what we initially thought who they think the business line compliance officers are that are impacted, and then assign out tasks. For the bigger regulations, really, it's like, hey, it was finalized, here's your notice that it was finalized. And then we go to work immediately with a project management team. Hey, here, it's been published. Let's get this on the schedule for discussion and uh, get that project on um, the agenda for an appropriate time frame so we can get it done. But that initial notification out really is the thing that says, okay, now you business line, we think you're impacted. If we miss someone, often the business line compliance officers will go, wait a second, we also have to get in uh, loan servicing. They need to be pulled into this conversation um, because they're going to have a key role. And they really help us catch any uh, business lines that we may have missed. But it's really uh, experience. A lot of years of working with the business lines, um, you typically can pick up on business lines that would be impacted. Not always. But uh, we can we can get most of the way there, and then the business line compliance officers help us get the rest of the way. Are the business line compliance officers in the compliance department, or do they live in the business units? They live in the business unit. So this was a change we made a couple of years ago. So they live in the business line. They report to a centralized manager and really partner with the business line, ensure they understand the processes, the procedures. And then uh, they work with us for um, SME knowledge and, you know, the additional resources to research and help develop processes. I love that. That's pretty unique that you have that resource within the business line. It is unique and uh, we're still, you know, learning what works the best, um, but having a good partnership with them has really helped. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Um All right. So we have determined which business lines are going to be subject to the regulation. Um, What sort of guidance then or training does your team do or how do you determine what that should look like for actually complying with a new rule? Well, and that varies every new rule, but uh, the basics 
are essentially first thing is to get the corporate advisory team as much training as we can, you know, read as many, as many different publications as we can about this is what it means. Join those working groups with the ABA um, because they always have great working groups to work through uh, the regulatory change. Um, free webinars from some different firms provide those. So we try and get our hands on as much of the resources as possible that um, doesn't add cost or burden to the institution. And then we start looking for um, training that's ready for our employees, right? So, oh, there might be five webinars coming up. Let's go find the one that's going to help get them where they need to be based on their role. If that's not available or if it's not specific enough, then we would create our own in-house training based on our interpretations. Gotcha. Very good. So um, does that that training process and finding those um, those resources, does that live within your team or with the business line compliance folks? Well, it can be both. Um, so we will source it typically upon their request. So if the business line compliance officer already has identified a resource and a, a great program for training, then we will just attend it with them. Um, most of the time we do um, help them with the sourcing, go out and trying to find the good courses um, that are to the appropriate level of detail. It's kind of a partnership with um, finding those resources. Good. I love that you have this relationship that keeps coming back. You've got such a, a good process there to interact. That's awesome. It's really key for compliance that we're doing it hand in hand um, so that we're all going the same direction. It helps um, remove um, any um, challenges with understanding because a lot of it's truly the communication, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we we try hard to stay uh, in lockstep so that we're hearing, or we're giving one voice to the rest of the bank. You know, they're hearing one one opinion, one thought, one process, and not not disparate from different channels or different uh, people they talk to. Perfect. So you have identified the folks that are going to be subject to a change. You've trained them. The change comes about. Tell me about what happens after. Do you go in and do any kind of testing to see that it went great? Yes. And that's a, that's a piece that is often people don't spend enough time on it. Um, they'll do the implementation, you know, with the, all the plans, you know, we think it's going to be awesome. We're going to be fully compliant. Um, and then what we have found is that um, we thought, oh, this will work good in this in this process or it'll work good in this team. And then we come to the implementation, go down the road a little bit. Usually we go 30, 60 days mm -hmm. and then do that look. Hey, how's it going? Is it working? And not being afraid to say, you know what? We created this checklist and this process and it's just not working. So let's shift gears now and see about maybe we can automate this process or maybe there needs to be a review at a different level. Really not being afraid to say, you know, what we thought would work doesn't. And so let's shift to something that does so we can get a high quality of compliance. Um, 
until you implement it and then go back and do your testing, you don't know how it's going to work. You know, you can guess based on your experience, but um, we find doing that look back 30, 60 days after implementation is enough time to, for it to age a little bit, but not so far that if there's an issue, you can't catch it and correct it going forward. Perfect. So you maintain sort of a level of humility, right? And be willing to say that, oops, there was a better answer. Yeah, I think that's key across all of compliance is really just being willing to say, hey, you know what? I thought I had the right answer. It wasn't right. Let's shift. Hey, I thought this control would work. It's not working like we wanted it to. Let's shift. And really just being um, able to have that conversation about, you know, do we need to make some changes to make this work better for the whole institution? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great overall philosophy. I love that. So tell me, Elizabeth, if you could share one piece of advice with our listeners, and it can be about regulatory change management or anything else that you think is key to compliance folks or or just bankers in the industry today, what would you say? That's a good question. Um, I would say um, when it comes to compliance, because that's that's my bread and butter, what I'd say is that just remember that all the employees want to do the job right every day, right? They want to go in, they want to do it right, they want to be successful, and to try and always keep that in mind. Um, they're they're not making mistakes on purpose. <laughs> Right. They want to be successful and they they want to do it well. So just always keeping that in mind um, that when errors occur, it's it's an error. We fix it. We move on and and not try and really um, focus too much on, you know, the reasoning. Really, it's just an error. Let's just fix it and, and go forward. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. So don't play the blame game. No blame game. Great. That's good. Playground rules, too perfect. Yes. Thanks for joining me today. I have loved visiting with you about regulatory change management. Thanks for having me. And for the rest of you, that's